Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shot List, where we talk about how to make a life and a living behind the lens. I'm cinematographer Marshall Chupa, and today I'm speaking with producer and director Darcy Wittenberg. In this episode, Darcy and I talk about his journey story into what has become a 20-year successful career making mountain bike films, the importance of collaboration, leadership, and working with a team when pulling off bigger creative endeavors, and the process of creating a project and finding funding from sponsors while getting people on board with your ideas. This was a fun chat with Darcy, and I hope you enjoy listening to some of the advice he shares along his creative journey. Let's jump into it. All right, Darcy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, I mean, starting out, I mean, I love to learn a little bit about everyone's journey story, I think, in this, you know, freelance career of whether that's filmmaking, photography, you know, directing, all of that stuff. It's such a different path. And I'm curious, how did things begin for you? Well, for me, it uh, started back in, in Whistler in the late 90s. I was just kind of living up there being a... Ski bum was super into snowboarding and mountain biking. And um, yeah, I really didn't have much plan or much direction and not uh, like a huge interest in film, but I did have an interest in photography. And some of the friends around me were starting to make films and getting into like 16 millimeter films. And so they kind of saw that I, I had a passion for photography and I needed a hand. Uh, on those projects and it was all really slack really low budget um well they basically just handed me a 16 mil camera and were like here go kind of figure out some cool angles and uh yeah it was like really really slack like that and that slowly just turned into you know getting serious enough that you know i could charge a day rate for my time and i was still working and like in pubs in the evening and kind of filming during the day and taking days off when I could. And for a few years, I kind of was just doing jobs in Whistler and, and filming when I could. And eventually I just gained enough momentum that I could kind of like step off the ledge and, and become a full-time filmer. Uh, when I was hired on Cranked 5 uh, with Bjorn Enga, uh, which is a, a mountain bike film that came out in 2002 um yeah that was kind of the project that he needed me full-time for the summer and and i dove right in right so the transition was pretty natural there for you yeah yeah it was just like a few years of just kind of doing a bit of everything just to make ends meet and then uh that was really the real opportunity where you know it still wasn't even like it was like that much money but it was enough that i could scrape a living and uh and that kind of in the winter time <clears throat> a friend of mine carlo wine who used to make snowboard movies i was working for him as well and so that winter i, I got into that full time and yeah it just kind of just slowly like grew from there but it's it's one of those things you don't really like i never really had a like a plan or like a real vision for what my career would look like um i just kind of chased down opportunities as they came to me yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, I guess that kind of speaks to the people you meet along the way. I mean, um, how much of a role did that kind of play into kicking off your career? Because I think in the beginning, a lot of people just don't really know where to start uh, when it comes to, you know, I, you know, they love filmmaking or photography, but it's just like, how do you, how do you even begin with a portfolio or, or, or whatnot? Do you have anything that kind of made sense for you in the beginning? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good point about, you know, getting to know the right people, being surrounded by the right people. But I mean, even that can be tricky because you could be like, well, how do I how do I do that? You know, how do I meet those people? Or sometimes it just has to be luck. But I mean, I would say the the kind of advice I would give or like what I learned looking back on it was that while immersing myself in a culture like Whistler where it's mountain biking in the summer and it's skiing, snowboarding in the winter, being fully immersed in something that I was super passionate about is really the key because then within that culture, you're going to meet people that are doing all sorts of things, whether that's filming or photography. So, so that's kind of how I, I just got to know people. So whether it's a sport or if it's, you know, dramatic films or whatever that might be, I would say just like immersing yourself in a culture and, and being a part of it is going to just naturally lead to meeting people that are passionate about the same things you are. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree and have experienced similar, you know, things in my career path. Just, you know, if you're just you and a DSLR and, you know, you're out there, you know, making stuff and cutting in your room quietly, I, I think that, you know, that can only go so far. It's, it's when you start to meet the community and start to collaborate and start to, you know, uh, immerse yourself amongst the people in the specific area. I think then, I think that thing you talked about, luck, Luck is just kind of like the happenstance of putting yourself in the right place at the right time. So I think that begins to build and uh, that momentum um, can start to shape and help you kind of break out of that area. So it's cool to hear that that's kind of how it happened for you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a fairly traditional story, I would say, in the action sports world. You know, a lot of people kind of, you know, they get into it because they are a a huge part of that sport one way or the other. whether it's just participating in it, whether it's being a, a pro athlete or something like that, it just kind of goes with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your role at Ant Hill. I mean, maybe we start with like, what is Ant Hill and when did it start? And like, yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to tell the story of how Ant Hill started, it almost starts earlier. Actually, it kind of starts after the uh, Cranked Five film, which I was talking about. Once that wrapped up in in 2003, I was talking to Bjorn about whether he wanted to do another film. And and he was kind of wanting to take a bit of a break from it because he had done like a few pretty intense years. And I'd kind of seen that there was an opportunity here. There was no film that was kind of coming out in the springtime of the following year, which would have been 04. And... uh, and there was a lot of writers uh, that wanted to be in a film and were looking for something to do. So that started a lot of conversations about just starting our own film project. And I was talking to Sterling Lawrence, the photographer, of a lot. We've worked together tons in the last 20 years. And he had introduced me to Jamie Hussein. And together we started The Collective um, and did three films under that company um, between 2003 and 2008. So that was the collective Rome and Seasons. And part of that team was Darren McCullough and Colin Jones, who are two of my partners at Antill now. Um, and at the time, Ian Dunn, who's our executive producer at Antill, he was working at Tourism Whistler and he had kind of helped us with those original proposals because he had just come out of school and had a degree in marketing and 
he just kind of helped put together those sponsorship sales kind of decks. Um, so we all kind of knew each other and, and mainly with Darren and CJ, you know, they were a, a huge part of all three collective films. And in 2008, Jamie was kind of ready to move back into business, uh, with his family. And, um, and so we were all again in that situation where we're like, well, we want to keep making movies. What should we do? And that's when we uh, just, again, had lots of conversations. I was talking to Ian. He was helping me kind of figure out, like, how to get another film going. And at one point, I kind of said to Ian as he was helping me put together the sponsorship decks and proposals. And I was like, well, would you ever, like, quit your job at Tourism Whistler and, you know, consider – starting a company together and right. uh, I honestly didn't totally expect him to say yes but he was like yeah actually I would so very cool so, yeah so that's kind of how it started and there's so there's four partners at Antel now it's myself Ian CJ Darren and we kind of all have had worked together for so many years that we just saw it as like a natural partnership to to all be owners in the company and work towards a common goal yeah. And I'm curious, like, what is your specific role there? I mean, you know, surely your LinkedIn title says, you know, producer or director, but please um, help me give some more depth to that. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's tough to boil it down sometimes when you wear so many hats, but I mean, that is fairly accurate. But yeah, I mean, going back to the first collective and the start of Anta, like my role has always been to be on the front end of things and really like rallying us all to to push forward on a on a project that is essentially producing. Um, so that's that's kind of always been my role and also been like a production manager, like in terms of organizing shoots, you know, that's definitely been my role. And then the creative goes hand in hand with that. I've always found that the creative development and the logistical process of pulling off a project are, they're so intertwined. Um, you can never really separate the creative development from the logistics. So, um, so that's kind of what I've, that's kind of the role I've, I've fallen into over time. So I don't know if that answers it any better than producer director, but. Yeah, no, it's good. So, I mean, ultimately you're not, you know, touching the camera or, or, or involved in the editing side or how, how does that. Yeah, out? no, I, I definitely am always filming as well, but. Okay. It's, it's, it's been less, less so over the years, like we always have multiple angles going and I will almost always run a camera on a shoot. But uh, often when I'm organizing, like, you know, CJ, Darren are s such amazing camera operators that like if it falls into a situation where like, hey, someone needs to really be like directing, producing, rallying everybody, that's when I'll kind of put the camera down. Yeah, I'll put the camera down and focus on that. So um, which just kind of frees them up to, to do their thing. Cause I mean, we work in a pretty small team often and that's how we prefer to work. So, but yeah, you know, between, between the three of us specifically, like Taryn and CJ and myself, we are very 
collaborative and we're like constantly jumping around from different roles so i'll go from like organizing and producing to like throwing on like a like a custom backpack with a red and a movie hanging off the back and i'll ride a moto, moto down a trail and be the be the operator and cable cam work you know that's kind of been my niche over the years so i've always been the one that's kind of set up and operated the cable cams so yeah, that sounds like a pretty cool kind of collaborative environment you guys have built amongst each other. I think that's one thing I do think of when I think of Ann Hill is, yeah, there's kind of like the collaboration part. You guys are a tight little unit. And I think being able to wear those multiple hats and, and I think have that shorthand with each other after so many years of knowing each other, I'm sure that's such a valuable skill in these you know unique environments we get, get ourselves into when filming creative projects like this. So really cool to hear kind of that camaraderie and shorthand you've built with each other. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely unique in some ways, but I mean, you see it with lots of other teams too, you know, over time, even all the way up to like, you know, major Hollywood directors, you know, they, they over the years, they kind of, they have their go-to people and it's just kind of how it works. I mean, for us, that's expanded out. There's 11 of us now at Antil, so. Okay. so we mix and match in and amongst that team all the time, depending on projects who's available and and so uh so yeah i mean it's on our films um on our most important projects you know like cj darren and myself will will be on those but that's honestly like for the projects that run through the company that's maybe a quarter of the time now right yeah okay yeah it's uh so there's lots going on there's lots going on that's for mm -hmm. sure yeah that's cool and I'm curious to speak a little bit to what the creative process is like uh, when it comes to something coming across the table. Like, I'd be curious to walk through the step-by-step -step process. I think that's kind of something that, um, you know, is not really obvious to a lot of people when, you know, getting started out or how that works, um, whether, you know, you're seeking out a project or a project lands on your table. And I'm a little bit more curious to the one where you might be seeking out a project just because I think it's a little more common um, for the younger freelancer to, you know, how do I get started kind of kind of position. How does that process work for you guys um, at Anhill? Do you mean like the, the the projects that we're creatively developing ourselves and pitching or just yeah, comes? I think so. Yeah. That would probably be the one that would be most beneficial because I think in the beginning, you know, it's lovely to say things are going to land on your table, but, you, you know, usually you got to create the momentum in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, that is a better thing to talk about because like projects that come to us, you kind of make the decision of whether you think it's cool or not, whether you're going to take it on or whether you just straight up need the work and you're like, well, we're taking this because... <laughs> <laughs> because money, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but for our own, our own projects, they often start with just lots of conversation and, and ideas that are just always brewing you know we have this like ongoing desire to create our own films and tell stories and so since we're always kind of open to that we're just always aware of projects or ideas and we just kind of keep them on the shelf until we're ready to till the timing is right to develop them so trying to think because it's so specific to different films but um we could go back to like maybe the beginning you mentioned like let's say when you first formed you, know, you had that idea mm -hmm. that three of you came together when there was nothing going on and you wanted to continue creating something that summer like if you go back to the very beginning like what were some of the steps that came about yeah well the first step i guess was just knowing that like 
we really wanted to make a film. We just had a passion for making a film and saw an opportunity in the marketplace that we're like, you know, there's actually like a real viability here to make this happen. And so then the conversation immediately goes to, well, what should it look like? Like, what is, what do we all want to make? And I think the next thing is it really goes to influences. And when I think of the first collective, you know, a lot of the conversations that, that Jamie and I had and with CJ and Darren too, were just like, centered around uh, surf films that were being made at the time. You know, Josh Johnson was making films and there was September Sessions and Shelter and movies like that that had like a much slower kind of soulful vibe, a lot of like just beautiful light. And also coming from the snowboarding world, again, there was just also just different perspectives and ways of like showing action that were influential. Um, so we kind of went to the to the influences and then just like how do we want to translate that into the sport of mountain biking and so then you just kind of start to develop it from there i mean that that one's like it's almost a tricky example because we were so green at the time that we were just like doing what we thought was cool without really thinking like this is this is going to have a huge impact or this is going to set off a career you know you just are like ah oh, this would be cool and like we i guess we had enough creative confidence to be like well let's just make the movie we want to make and hope and hopefully people like it how did you find funding for something like that with was it ian that was like cool you got like a great concept or you're at least the passions there you know you want to create this beautiful thing for yourself um and i feel like that's where a lot of people get to um, but then it's just like, how do how do you see the opportunity for financing it or actually getting it out into the world? Like, did you see those layers or you just say, screw it, passion, let's do it and let's see what happens? We had a pretty good story of how we actually got that film off the ground. At the time, the snowboarding film Robot Food had just come out. Oh, yeah. And I'd heard that the riders that were in the film, like some of them had an actual stake in the sales of the film somehow. I'm not even sure, like what that was anymore but we kind of looked at that and we knew that like some of the key riders we wanted to work with in the collective were like very very interested in getting the film off the ground so we had the idea to get them to invest in the film for a percentage of the sales of the back end which was definitely like a roll of the dice for them but I guess we were all pretty confident in ourselves that we could make the money back. And our deal was like that the very, very first money that would be made from sales would, would go to them to repay that loan. Right. But that gave us, I think at the time, it was a third of our budget to get off the ground. But it gave us the opportunity to go down to the trade show uh, Interbike and pitch it to sponsors and their question was like, well, do you have any money? And we were like, well, yes, actually like the top like five riders in the film have all invested into it themselves. And that really turned some heads, you know, they were like, wow. Like, so they believe in this project so much that they've invested their own money into it. Mm -hmm. And so once we explained that, like that almost became like the most important part of the pitch. Cause then they could see that, okay, these influential riders really believe in this project maybe we should believe in it too. And then the sponsors came on board and the project got off the ground. And it also gave us the money to just to practically just to actually start production. And that was helpful too, to, to build momentum. So, you know, potential sponsors could see, Hey, this thing's actually like, they've already done some shoots, like it's off the ground, it's happening, it's real. 
It's not just an idea. So, I mean, that model is something that I think people could even do today. And I'm sure we see it with, with projects, you know, YouTube projects, things like that, where athletes are really getting behind it and collaborating with the filmmaker. And that athlete already has that credibility, which really helps get the project going. So... Yeah. And just to zoom back a little bit to like you mentioned the trade show thing going pitching and around like is that something now, for example, that you would go and do as well? I'm sure you've built like multiple, you know, a lot of contacts over the years. So it's maybe not so much like that. You're kind of rinse and repeating with some people. But in the beginning, like is that kind of how things come about? You, you know, you what, make a pitch deck and you're just walking around at a trade show and doing your best. Like how do you how does that go about? Yeah, that is how it went. But I mean, I am definitely dating myself by like, you know, that was like 20 years ago. So some of the first stuff we ever did at trade shows with, with Carlo uh, at the, I can't remember what it's called now, the Ski and Snowboard trade show that also happened in Vegas. So we would go around with v- like the trailer on a VHS tape. Right. And like every booth would have like a little TV or something and you'd play the trailer and kind of like explain the project. Um, right. Wow. And then... Yeah, and, the, and and all those collective years, um, and even when we started until the first film we made in '09 was Follow Me. We went around just with like a nice little pitch deck and would just go around, like set up meetings and go around to the different booths and pitch it to sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't now, I mean, especially post-pandemic and everything, like, but in the last years, just the trade shows have just been kind of dying off and it's more about just been, you know, just pitching people over email, trying, trying to set up a zoom. Yeah. I mean, even before the pandemic, we were doing lots of pitch pitches and stuff over zoom. And when it comes to talking to these people, like what, what are you pitching them? Like how, uh, what are you giving them in return for their money or how does that work um, yeah. when it comes to like funding these films? Yeah. Well, the films has always been like, it's obviously there's like the product placement and the brand association with with the film itself um but often we try to like layer in other content that can be useful to them so because we know that all all brands need a steady stream of content coming out all year and often brands need something cool and interesting to be talking about like other than just their products you know like talking about their product line is one thing but it's not really enough to engage with their audience on a more emotional level and being associated with a film allows them the opportunity to say, like, you know, we understand or we are a part of this culture. And so giving them content and materials that they can use throughout the year, whether that's just Instagram clips, photography or like short edits, it's sometimes it's just stock footage from the film that they can turn into other more commercial based pieces that they want to make so there's that and then there's you know they always have a premiere tour and all the hype around the launch and the trailer and so that gives again another opportunity for companies to engage with potential customers with their audience at the actual events themselves because when we launch a film we will always do like 100 to 150 premieres and so that's kind of a cool way for them to put on shows in whatever town they want. There's, they always, these films always end up in film festivals. Um, so there's just kind of like a whole like spectrum where the brands can be associated with the project. And 
So it's a little bit of like a little bit of a tiered system then. So you can kind of approach them and say, hey, like there's, you know, this is a, a certain amount of money. You know, we'll get you this amount of things. Maybe we can give you a certain amount of cutaways or uh, little yeah. social bits. And or if you will go for the bigger tier thing, these are all the things we're going to offer. Is that, is that how it works kind of thing? Or? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Back in the day, I think we had like, like a gold, silver, bronze like level that you could be at or it'd be like presenting and associate sponsors. And that's, that's kind of how it goes. Like essentially the more money they're willing to put into the project and the more they want to be associated with it, um, the more benefits they're going to get. But we, we usually just like like float out like a like a handful of suggestions once a brand is actually engaged we you know there's a lot of back and forth about like trying to customize it to fit their needs because you know we've definitely learned from like the very beginning of making films that you really obviously have to make it work for them you can't get so focused on your own project that you're like hey just help me make this thing that i really want to make it needs to make so much sense for them um and that's why customizing package to whatever it is that they need is is something that we try to do and at the same time like we need to still maintain the integrity of the project but we found that most brands like i can't even really think of an example of where someone's really tried to like influence us heavily or steer us away from what we're doing right um if they're going to be part of the project it's because they believe in what we're doing and want to be associated with what we're already going to create. Yeah. And I mean, coming to a brand and I'm sure whether that's in a trade show over zoom or over zoom these days is, uh, I mean, pitching is a skill and I think creating these pitch decks and concepts and flow and, and how to get people on board is a skill. Like, is that something like, how, how did that come about for you? Is that something that comes natural? Is that something that, you know, Ian, uh, you know, strives at and, and pushes forward? Is that like, I think that's a big part when you're getting started. Like Jesus, like how do you even, yeah, how do you even approach a big brand like this or or a small brand and and understand how to convince them to to help you with a film. Yeah, no, it's a good question, and it's like it's a it is a skill like anything, but it's like it's like just an ugly process of like learning how to improve, you know, yourself as you do it. It's like it's like filming or biking or like anything, you know, when you're filming and you're learning, you know, how to do different shots. And sometimes you look back at your work and you're like, Oh my God, like that was just terrible. And sometimes you just like question, like, am I even good at this? Um, that is the same thing when it comes to pitching projects, you know, we have done it a lot and it's one of those things. I don't know if you ever, well, personally, I don't think we ever feel like, Oh, we're, we're, good at this um always trying to like to learn and just communicate as best as you possibly can because a lot of it is like not about it's not like it's i mean it is sales but it's a lot of that is just trying to communicate and just to explain the vision that we have and trying to consolidate into a very brief meeting where we you know within like a half an hour of kind of talking someone can understand what it is you got going on inside your head and what your vision is. So, I mean, we have honed it over the years. Of course we have, but, um, it's like a never ending. It's just like filming. Like if, I don't know, not many people, unless they're supremely confident would say like, Oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. You, the nerves always go up just a little bit probably before every, every phone call or, you know, it doesn't, probably, yeah. it doesn't get old. 
Yeah. And, uh, and it's just like, like convey the excitement and passion you have for the project as much as possible. So, um, yeah, that's, that's not really a skill. Yeah. That's taught in school or, you know, I'm curious, is there any resources that you've used in the past? I don't know, books you've read or things like that, that at least I'm always um, seeking out things like that where it's, uh, yeah, it's just like the, the people skills or just like being a human or, you know, like the business side of like being a creative. Is there anything that's helped you in the past or that's maybe maybe or maybe you've met a peer that's going to help you move you along or anything like that? Um, that's a good question because it's so many small things, you know, that I, I think that I would just be paying attention to over time, you know, so it's just trying to like draw any sort of education or inspiration from like any source that you can. Um, you know, it's like, there is definitely a public speaking aspect to it. So that's just something I've done is like read and learn and educate myself on public speaking and, and just practicing it, you know, just putting yourself in that like uncomfortable situation sometimes more than, more than you'd like to, um, just to develop that skill. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a tricky one to answer that question just because it is, I don't know, it's one of those things that's not... Yeah, it's not super clear and definitive. There, I think there's a lot of, yeah, because you say you learn it over the years and it's like you take a little nugget here and there from every little situation. Um, you probably, each time you do a pitch, you improve and, you know, bring that into the next one. Um, so I totally get that. Well, one thing I would say even like looking back... I wish, you know, it would have been handy to have that education earlier on, even like, mm -hmm. you know, I did like, okay, in high school, but not very well. And I have like no post secondary education. I didn't take I haven't taken any courses, right to do with filming or anything. Um, but that's where I think those are the skills that like early on any sort of like, you know, business courses, organizational, public speaking, like that kind of thing. They're probably the ones that like, if I could go back, it would be something along those lines. And, and to, for me personally, it's the public speaking one. It's probably the one I like would have loved to have learned that skill like earlier, because it's the thing that will come up all the time. And I would put like being in a meeting where you're in a conference call or you're in a conference room and you need to pitch a project then when you're on uh, on set, um, sometimes it could be a larger group of people. You need to organize, you know, like 10 people, 20 people mm -hmm. and upwards from there. And then when films come out, you know, there's, well, there's podcasts like this. There's premiere events, you know, there's film festivals. There's so many opportunities to speak publicly. That's one thing that, like, I would not have guessed going into it that that would have become, like, an importance, an important skill to have. Yeah. And I feel like uh, our fellow filmmakers are not excited to hear that because I feel like a lot of, um, you know, uh, creatives end up being an introvert role. Yeah. But like you said, um, and it's funny enough, that's, I mean, that's a big part of the reason I actually started this podcast is to kind of push myself to force myself to, you know, work through the motions and suck in the beginning at doing this thing, but also to, uh, yeah, make it easier in the future, just have conversations, whether that is, um, you know, pitching a project or uh, on set. So, I mean, it's, it's cool to hear that that's a similar journey you've been on. Oh, totally. It's it's my number one fear that I that I deal with when it comes to 
being a filmmaker, which is interesting. It's something that just over time you're like, oh, I guess that is something I'm uncomfortable with and I've like shied away from it. But, you know, like you said, like you're doing with this, like it's you you can't really shy away from those things. You just have to lean into them. And um, there's going to be things like that, that skills you have to develop um, that you weren't expecting. But Mm -hmm. it's all part of growing. Yeah, I feel like that is uh, one of the uh, key skills, uh, at least in my opinion, that I've been learning is just being okay with sucking at something uh, and, and pushing through it. Uh, because just like when you started filming, you look back at that first reel you ever made and you just laugh. Um, but when you're on your third, fourth, you know, you're just like, okay, things are starting to get half decent. People are hiring me, you're making money. Clearly, I'm doing something right. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there's always that voice of doubt in the back of your head so yeah it's true and i think it's something that like everyone deals with in one shape or another that doubt and that that confidence but i I had so many of these conversations with different friends and different lines of work um trying to like push yourself through those uncomfortable moments and recognizing that like everybody has insecurities everybody has self-doubt and Mm -hmm. you have those times where you're like I mean, I still to this day, like lots of days, you know, sometimes you're doing something and you're like, man, should I be like rethinking my line of work? (laughs) And I still think that 20 years in. So, you know, and then you have good days where you're like, oh, I love this. And like, okay, this is this is what I meant to do. (laughs) So I think that's like a normal roller coaster that probably everyone, if they're honest, probably Mm -hmm. goes through. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's nice to speak to the honesty of that, you know, being that you're 20 years in and those, these moments still come about. Again, I think it's not about getting ever past them. It's just about understanding how to push through them and and that you'll be a better person for, for just working through doing the work, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just curious a little bit, um, maybe to speak to a little bit of a leadership role. I know, I mean, at Ant Hill... It's a team. And I think something that I've noticed as I level up in my career as a cinematographer is that to create high end or, you know, good products, it's definitely a team sport. Um, whereas I, you know, I used to shoot photographs before I began uh, the filmmaking journey. And it's a little bit more of a solo uh, sport. You can really create quite good high end work um, by yourself or with a single assistant. But filmmaking seems to be a very team team sport. And as I get into this, you know, leadership has become something more that's stuck out to me. And I'm curious for you, how has that been a part of your career and like learning, I don't know, any leadership skills or, or working with a team on set? Curious to speak a bit about that. Yeah, that's definitely something I've thought a lot about um, because I consider myself especially in the earlier years as I was kind of finding myself in a leadership position it's not something I like naturally thought of myself or like set out to be you know like oh I got I need to be the guy that's kind of leading this I always thought of myself as like a reluctant leader because we're our group is like collaborative and no one really (laughs) wanted to be in that position and it's like for whatever reason I'm like okay well just do that and then slowly over time like especially as our company grows you realize wow i I am in a leadership position and i i need to think about like this and think about what that leadership style is i mean for me it still always comes back to collaboration and just enabling everyone around you to do their best work and to be you know as free as possible within the context of the group to be as free to just practice and kind of flex their own skill 
Um, so that's where like my leadership style would be not to put myself out at the head of the pack and be like, okay, everybody, like, I know exactly what I want. This is exactly what we're doing. Everybody get in line and like, follow, follow me. We're heading over this way. Like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't think I do that. It's really more about like listening to everybody and like getting like a, a group consensus where we all feel like we're heading in the right direction and, and then working towards that common goal. So, but yeah, like you said, it's very much a team sport, but I'm one of those people that's like, if there's 10 people in the room and like one or two people are like not on board, I'm like the most sensitive to them and paying attention to them and thinking like, how do we, how do we all get on the same program here? So, so it's, it kind of sounds like, you know, empower, empower the team, empower the people is, is kind of the key here. I'm hearing from you. Yeah, definitely. Um, because, you know, I also see like all the roles is essentially equal, even though they might not always be perfectly equal, but, um, but they are. I mean, everybody's part of a project because they have a role to play. And, and you know how it is with film, like sometimes like the, the, what might seem like a small role, if you didn't have that, is critical. It's just like equipment, you know? It's like you can have a truck full of gear and if you're missing one small cable that goes to your monitor or something, like you can't shoot. And so I feel like it's the same way with people where you're like, don't underestimate somebody who looks like they may have a small role in it. It's just like that cable to the monitor. If you don't have it, it's 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 a huge problem. Yeah, that's a good point. I like I like that analogy, and I like to, I mean, just go a little bigger picture here. Um, I'm curious why why do you do what you do? I think we have a lot of choices in life and paths we could go. Um, why is this? Why did you choose this one? That's a good question too. Like originally. I think it's still true to this day. Originally, I was drawn to a career in the outdoors. Um, I think if I didn't get into filmmaking, I would have gotten into guiding. That was always a, a dream of mine when I was younger. And when I was living in Worcester, it was it was just one of those things that was on my mind Like as I got into filmmaking. And then I saw, I was like, wow, here's a really cool opportunity to be working in outdoor and wilderness environments. Um, and just working towards something that's like hard and challenging and problem solving. Um, so that's what really drew me into it. And still to this day, like those are the things that get me the most excited. And we do quite a bit of diverse work now. And we've been doing some commercial projects where, you know, it has nothing to do with, you know, the outdoors or wilderness settings. Um, and I try to find the passion in those but to be perfectly honest like it's the stuff that takes us into into the mountains that gets me like the most like, excited yeah um so yeah that's that's it for me and like speaking to what gets you excited what are what are some of the things that are firing up these days or projects that you've been working on that you're excited about well i guess the other part of what really motivates me aside from like just saying like pure kind of wilderness outdoor stuff is cycling because uh, mountain biking has been such a huge part of my life and that's evolved into all sorts of cycling and all forms of cycling and over the last few years we've been working on a film that we're kind of in the home stretch on uh, called the engine inside 
Mm-hmm. And it's a feature-length documentary about all forms of cycling and um, how people are using the bicycle around the world to improve their lives and improve the world around them. And so that is just brought us into so many diverse settings and just groups of people all over the world, um, all connected to cycling, though. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's definitely something that I'm hugely passionate about. That's I see so much potential in expanding this project. So yeah, I mean that and like to be honest, like there's still talk of uh, you know new mountain bike movies um, that we might start on next year, which we would be getting into the pitching process in the next few months. So it's. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. As soon as we finish something, we're like <laughs> on onto the next. Like, yeah, yeah, we're like, oh, let's do it again. <laughs> right, right. It's a little bit of an addictive uh, tendency, I would say. Perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. one of those things too, where you never feel like you like. It's just like probably any artistic endeavor, and yeah. like, it could always be better, or it could always, you know, be a little bit, yeah. Yeah, like I'm sure it's similar to like musicians in that way too, where you're like, oh, like I'm really proud of like, you know, these songs that I've written or these albums, but there's always more I could do or new ideas. So that's what keeps us going. Yeah, that's cool to hear that you're, you know, finding projects that, you know, are firing you up and continue to do that, you know, 20 years into this career. I think that's exciting to hear that that's possible and can be a a path for, you know, someone out there who's just kind of getting started yeah um i'm just curious as we come to wrap things up here is there any you know advice or experiences you look back on in your career that you might want to share with someone who's just trying to figure out how to make a life and a living behind the lens and just just getting started i guess like this the simplest way i can boil it down is uh it might be like another bike analogy here but but you know if you take something as simple as like riding a bicycle, like you ride out your door, you know, you can go five kilometers or 10 or a hundred or a thousand or 10,000, you know? And it's like, if you just, just do the same thing relentlessly in the same direction over time, something amazing will come out of it. And it, that is a, it could be walking too. I mean, if you just walk in one direction, eventually you'll walk around the world and you'll have the most amazing story and the most amazing experience to, to have or to share. And I feel like that is, that's kind of what, if I look back on my career has happened and I would say that would be the best advice is like, just like, even if you're not really sure what the goal is, relentlessly move forward always move forward and things will just start to present themselves to you and things will start to change and and you'll grow and things will come out of it and that's probably the thing that like anyone who's maybe dabbled in something and not followed through would say is like yeah i you know i I tried that for a little bit and then I stopped. Well, then nothing really comes out of it. You have to just keep going and going and going over time. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, something that speaks true to myself as well in this endeavor. I think, yeah, just knowing that if you keep focusing on what you love to do, um, they say like, do what you love and the money will come. Like, you know, I remember, you know, six or seven years ago, hearing that, reading that in the book and actually being upset. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I just want, I want it to happen now, you know, being a bit impatient. But, you know, six, seven years later into this, I'm excited to look back and be like, wow, like now it's, now it's working, now it's happening. And yeah, I'm nowhere near 
where I'd love to go, but I'm definitely in the right direction and the momentum is built. Um, just like you're speaking to. So, yeah, you know, very cool to hear that that is, um, some of the advice that you'd, you'd give back to others. Yeah. Yeah. It's best way I can sum it up, I guess. So, well, uh, thanks for coming on the show today, Darcy. Really appreciate your time. And, uh, it's fun chatting with you and hearing a little bit of the inner world and workings of, of your journey. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, folks, that about wraps it up for this round. I really enjoyed my conversation today with Darcy, and I hope there are a few nuggets in there you can take away for your day-to-day journey as a freelancer. If you want to check out his work or Ant Hill's work, head over to anthill.com. They've got some really cool projects on there they've created over the years. And in the future, I'll be speaking with photographers, cinematographers, directors, producers, reps, and anyone who's decided to take this ambitious leap of faith at making a life and a living behind the lens. Stay tuned and subscribe to the channel on your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please scroll to the bottom of your device and leave me a star rating or review, or just drop me a DM on Instagram and let me know you've heard something of value. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Shotlist.